is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. And I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in L.A. CDC says if you're pregnant, get vaccinated. Comes as ICUs across the country. You're seeing more pregnant women with critical COVID cases. California now has a statewide vaccine mandate for teachers and school staff. You want to go to Hawaii? Yes. <laughs> New safety rules there, though, going back into effect. The state looks to balance tourism with uh, keeping infections as low as they can. After Hawaii, we'll go to Texas. I don't know if I'd rather stay in Hawaii, but okay, we'll go to Texas, where a fight is starting over mask mandates. And after all that, we're going to the gym, because some of those are having a tough time coming back from the pandemic. I think it's from eating all the food in Hawaii All over the place today. Let's start with pregnant women getting vaccinated. Dr. Allison Cahill is a maternal fetal medicine physician and professor in the Department of Women's Health at the University of Texas Medical School. Doctor... Is the evidence coming down on the side that pregnant women should get vaccinated? The original or the initial trials didn't enroll uh, pregnant women, just excluded them on the basis of being pregnant, uh, which is unfortunate because we know that uh, pregnancy emerged as a risk factor for more severe disease, a greater likelihood to be admitted to the hospital, require oxygen and be admitted to the ICU and even die. Um, But ultimately, um, many of the um, extended trials enrolled pregnant women, um, and we're very grateful to the pregnant pregnant women who um, felt as though the known risks of COVID uh, disease outweighed the theoretic um, risks of the vaccine and received the vaccine over these last many months. And they were part of a registry. And those registries are now producing data to help support um, that, in fact, there's no concern about safety um, for moms or baby or unborn babies that are um, specific to pregnancy um, and thus have really helped us alter the recommendations. And so now ACOG and the CDC and others are um, very strongly recommending that um, pregnant people and those that are breastfeeding uh, to please get vaccinated. Do we know why pregnancy is such a risk factor? That's an interesting question, and I would say that we we don't. Uh, but similar to other viruses that we've seen before that particularly impact uh, the respiratory system, um, such as strains of the flu, flu itself, uh, remembering the H1N1 uh, strain days. Um, There are changes that are specific to pregnancy that help um, a woman's body accommodate a healthy pregnancy um, that then uh, perhaps make it vulnerable to some of these um, viruses that impact the respiratory system. Uh, But we, we probably won't know for some time why precisely. We do know, though, from the uh, large studies that have been published now, um, that there does seem to be a consistent reporting uh, that pregnant women compared to their non-pregnant peers um, are at increased risk for severe disease. Have you, in your own personal experience, found it a hard sell to get pregnant women to be vaccinated against COVID? Well, that's a complicated question, but um, I think that there is a lot of information being passed around by all the various ways that we acquire information these days. And some of it is quite good. And some of it, frankly, is um, quite incorrect. Um, And that incorrect information, sometimes depending on the vehicle or who's speaking, can be 
quite powerful. Um, and so I think depending on which patients are exposed to which or which are from different cultural backgrounds or other types of different philosophies uh, may feel strongly um, against vaccination per se or against this vaccination. Um, I think in my personal experience clinically, when I can explain how horrible this disease is um, in pregnant women just like them and patients I have um, cared for who have had such horrible things happen to them because of this virus, that becomes not such a difficult uh, discussion to have. So I think that um, folks are really um, open to um, hearing that information. And I think the ACOG guideline guidelines are now very clear that um, pregnant women and women who are, are breastfeeding should absolutely be vaccinated. Um, and a, um, a consultation from a healthcare provider is certainly not required, but we're here to help um, give you, give patients the actual information and uh, try and uh, alleviate their concerns that are mostly based on um, non-factual information. Dr. Allison Cahill, maternal fetal medicine physician, professor, Department of Women's Health, University of Texas, Austin. California now requiring all teachers and school staff be vaccinated or be tested for COVID every week. They're just the latest workers now under a vaccine mandate. Some districts already had this and uh, more are coming on board. Now everybody is, right? Glenn Sachs, social studies teacher, James Monroe High in L.A. Uh, Glenn, is this going to be an uphill climb to get all the teachers their vaccines? Well, yeah, the vast majority are vaccinated. And, you know, LAUSD was real good about it in the spring. They made it easy for us. We were able to, um, you know, get the both shots or whatever we needed pretty easily. Um, there are some people who object for religious reasons or for medical reasons. I don't know that the religious reasons are going to go very far, but, you know, there are people with legitimate, legitimate medical reasons. But, you know, the vast majority of us are already vaccinated. That's really not a problem because as teachers, we're used to that. It's a condition of employment. There's a whole battery of vaccines that we have to have before we can even be teachers. This is just one more. And the testing scheme, how do we feel about that? The once a week enough to catch everything fast enough? Or is that probably the best you can do? You can't test everybody every day. So what are you going to do at the end of the day, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's about as good as you can can do. Um, you know, there, there are going to be on campuses on specific days, the same day every week. So you don't have to worry about that. You know, you get a test and then your test runs out and you haven't got the next one. And they'll be dismissing classes to, you know, everybody in whatever building now go over and get your tests. I mean, they've got it organized pretty well. And, uh, you know, I think it's about as, as, as good as you can do under the circumstances. You know, there are there are some people who think that the the sort of option of get vaccinated or get tested is kind of a cop out uh, that unless you have, as you pointed out at the very beginning, a medical or a valid religious reason, it really should be not one or the other, but just one get vaccinated. Yeah. And I, I can't even think of what a valid religious reason would be. I mean, to me, that's just superstition. I mean, look, it's not like we're the first people taking this uh, vaccine. We're not the guinea pigs. You know, hundreds of millions of people have already had it. Um, and, you know, what Gavin Newsom just announced, you know, for LAUSD, it's really irrelevant. You know, Newsom says everybody has to either be vaccinated or get a regular COVID test. Everybody in LAUSD is going to be tested uh, every week, whether you're uh, staff and students, whether you're vaccinated or not. Did you see any pushback to the testing, even if you're vaccinated? Because there was some out there wondering, well, why do we have to do this if we got our shots? And then people point to Delta and other spread and, and 
it's just a very let's be as safe as you can because we want the kids in class at the end of the day we don't want them to go back home yeah i mean you know a couple months ago when it looked like the plague was going to be gone uh, you know maybe people would have thought more you know more in the way you just described but you know now that it's come back with a vengeance i I can't imagine that there's a lot of opposition at least within the schools a lot of opposition to that so what happens uh everyone's back in the classroom right and as is bound to happen and you know it's going to happen somebody sneezes or, or coughs or they're they come in and their nose is running a little bit and i'm talking about students and or teachers uh how is this going to be manageable well, I mean, and you're saying they haven't, they haven't, they are, they tested negative for COVID, but you think they might have it? Well, they tested negative or, or the, you know, they're only doing it like, you know, to Mike's point, they're not doing it every day. So you get tested on Monday, but somebody walks into the class on Friday and they're sneezing. I mean, what do you, is there a game plan on what to do with the class? Yeah, there's a protocol for that when you're dealing with it with students and also with teachers. With teachers, again, they make it easy. They basically, send you home and you get your full pay while you're home with COVID, then as soon as you can come back, uh, you come back. Glenn Sachs, Social Studies, James Monroe High. Close your eyes. Picture yourself on a beach in Hawaii. Pina Colada right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, that sounds, with, with the little umbrella. That's right. Yeah. Gotta have the umbrella. Sounds nice. Sounds relaxing. But could COVID prevent that from happening soon? Hawaii had really strict rules, dropped them, tourists came back. Now some of the restrictions are returning. Dr. Thomas Lee, epidemiologist, modeler at the University of Hawaii, he's been advising the governments throughout the pandemic. So, doctor, current situation there is what? Yeah, so so what we're seeing with, with uh, COVID, specifically the Delta variant in Hawaii, is uh, no, no different than what we've seen across the continental United States and across other countries that... Uh, preceded uh, Hawaii with regards to COVID transmission. So, you know, we understand Delta is highly infectious. And, um, you know, if you just think about the fact that we're an island, it's inevitable that travel will bring Delta and COVID to Hawaii, um, regardless of its, if it's tourism or returning residents. And, and I have to say that it's definitely a, a combination of both. It's not one or the other. So what are the, some of the new rules that are being looked at as you, as you scale things back? But I guess this is also a delicate dance, right? You have to ward off Delta as best you can, but you can't lose all the tourism again because that was a huge blow for a year plus. Yeah, you're 100% correct. So the, 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 the new or I would say the, the returning mitigation uh, that, that the governor put in place yesterday were, uh, was to cap indoor gatherings to 10 outdoor gatherings to 25, and then any high-risk areas such as gyms, uh, bars, or restaurants uh, are back to uh, 50% uh, capacity. Um, And so, yes, we understand that uh, we need to utilize all of our mitigation efforts to to curb the, the current spread. However, there is a way to do it where we're not harming the economy and the recovery uh, too much, and, and vaccines have been the lifesaver. That's a tool we didn't have a year ago. What is the vaccination rate among the uh, the citizens of Hawaii, and uh, are there thoughts about making uh, vaccinations mandatory to visit? Yeah, currently uh, the the overall vaccination rate for fully vaccinated across the state is uh, 60.8% or pretty much 61%, which is higher than uh, you know a lot of other states, uh, but but it's not quite there. 
Um, you know, in terms of mandating vaccines, you know, I leave that to the policymakers, the governor and the mayors to, to do that at the respective levels. But what we do know uh, from the modeling that my colleagues and I have done is, you know, even a 5% increase in the fully vaccinated population will have dramatic decreases in future transmission. So really vaccines, you know, if you really want to get back to normal, um, you know, and, and not really deal with these uh, gathering size limits, increasing vaccination efforts is the way to go. Curious about the gathering part, because a lot of people know the islands with like uh, the hotel or the resort they're staying at, right? So you got the pool and there's 100 people there. That's over 25. Or is that just like if I'm having a wedding, I live there, it's a birthday party, that kind of thing. Don't get all your no, friends together yeah. or yeah, they got to play by the rules, yeah. too. Great. I, I would say, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm going based off uh, the, the summary that the governor put out yesterday. It, it applies to everybody and it applies yesterday. It doesn't matter if you're a tourist, if you're a resident, if you're a business. Um, there are exceptions for uh, professional gatherings of uh, 50 or a little more, but you have to work with the county to, to get exception for that. Um, but yeah, a pool outdoors, you know, 25 and, and obviously the businesses will find a way to mitigate safely. Uh, but yes, uh, there is an increased burden um, to, to a lot of the businesses in the state. What about the burden to uh, hospitals? Some states, as I'm sure you know, Florida, for example, uh, we had some doctors on uh, yesterday talking about how it's just an impossible situation there. They have to cancel uh, elective surgeries. The ICU beds are all pretty much taken. What's the situation with hospitals in Hawaii? Yeah, it's it's definitely concerning uh, because of the past two weeks of triple digit, you know, three, four, five, six hundred cases a day. um, We are seeing a a big increase in hospitalizations uh, based on the utilization. We're not quite at breaking point. However, you know, I I would say that most hospitals on island have considered and and are accounting for mitigation efforts and surge capacity, etc., um, so they are in that planning effort. The, the goal, once again, is to uh, use preventative efforts to, to make sure we don't reach overcapacity like we're seeing in Florida and some other states. Dr. Thomas Lee, epidemiologist, modeler, University of Hawaii, has been advising the state governments throughout the pandemic. Doctor, thanks. Coming up after a short break, we head to the Lone Star State, where the governor is being challenged over masks. Texas has always had an independent spirit. Now, that goes down all the way to the local level after the governor issued an order basically banning mask mandates by local governments. Dallas and some other big cities challenged all that. And they won. There's an injunction issued to prevent the order from applying in those areas. Dr. Philip Fuang, epidemiologist, director, health authority, Dallas County Health and Human Services. So, doctor, your thoughts on these cities getting what they want in terms of the masking in the schools? Well, uh, you know, this really should not be a political issue. It's a public health issue, and we appreciate uh, the uh, issuance of the temporary restraining order against the governors, uh, you know, not allowing us at the local level to, uh, you know, do what's needed to protect public health. Are you, as a uh, physician, still surprised uh, that there's any resistance to to uh, masks, to vaccines. I mean, it just seems so odd. I mean, I'm disappointed, you know, unfortunately, given uh, a lot of the climate and now, you know, I mean, the political climate and things, unfortunately, I'm not uh, that surprised. I mean, we're hearing, I mean, and we've seen how politicized this uh, becomes, uh, but then I'm, you know, hearing more of these uh, cases of 
the people who then have been taking these stands against it and then winding up in the hospital. I just talked to a physician over the weekend who was telling me about a patient uh, that was, you know, had to be being cared for and had to be intubated. And right before the intubation screams out an expletive and said, I should have taken the vaccine. And this is what we're hearing more and more. Um, But, you know, in the meantime, the people are still taking their stand and not doing these things. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think that resonates maybe with at least the people that know that person, but not a ripple effect that's large enough to have changed things at least yet? Well, again, I think we're hearing more and more of these stories of people, you know, that have been so vocally against it and then regretting that uh, their actions and saying and recognizing they should have gotten the vaccine and they should be wearing the masks and doing all of these things. Uh, Let me ask you something, because I'm just uh, seeing now on my phone that um, NBC News is reporting that the FDA uh, tomorrow uh, is going to amend its emergency authorization for the COVID vaccine so that a booster can be given to people who have compromised immune systems. Uh, How big of a deal is that? Uh, Well, definitely, uh, you know, for those uh, persons uh, you know, that will boost their, uh, the effectiveness of the vaccine for that population. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, we're still working on, you know, almost half the population that hasn't even gotten their first uh, dose also. And that's um, uh, largely what's fueling uh, this, uh, you know, surge in cases that we're seeing, that we have so many people that haven't even gotten any doses of vaccine. Who would fall under that, um, do you think, the immunocompromise? Is this for people transplants, uh, cancer patients, this kind of treatment? Because you've also just got a subset of 65-plusers out there going, give me a third, hurry, give me one. And it's like, well, not not yet, guys. Well, well, definitely those groups that you're talking about, those that are on immunosuppressive medications uh, or uh, with the immunocompromising uh, conditions. In the uh, situation in uh, Texas... Um, you have these states. You're you're one of them. Unfortunately, Florida is another. A number of other uh, southern states where the uh, Delta variant has caused and is causing severe problems. Are you at all getting any signals that because of that, uh, other variants, perhaps of potential concern, might be arising? Uh, you know, that's absolutely one of the things that we're worried about. Um, so we're continuing to you know, monitor uh, for that at this point, uh, you know, we're still dealing with the Delta variant um, and that's plenty, but, uh, you know, we're, we certainly, um, you know, hope uh, we don't see that, but, but we're certainly concerned about that possibility. And that's why, again, it is a race sort of getting everyone vaccinated, uh, try to just slow the spread and prevent those uh, variants from uh, developing. In terms of the patients, we know there are more of them because we can see the caseload. But are they sicker? Do they stay longer? Are they younger? Uh, they're definitely younger is one of the things that we're seeing. You know, I mean, what we've done a good job of is getting uh, the over 65 vaccinated. So um, we've actually, uh, you know, seen this shift in the populations that are being hospitalized. Uh, they're in the younger age groups. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, we're also seeing uh, some more severe illness in some of these younger uh, groups. Has anyone figured out yet whether or not uh, the severity of COVID in younger people, is that because of some fundamental shift in the way the uh, virus is actually you know, operating within the human body of younger people? Or is it just because it's kind of a fluke of statistics? You know, I mean, it certainly may be a numbers 
issue. Uh, and I think, you know, we're still trying to learn uh, every day. We keep learning more about this virus and the variants. Dr. Philip Wang, epidemiologist, director of the Dallas County Health and Human Services Department, uh, used to be at the CDC. Doctor, thanks. The pandemic and shutdown orders have been exceptionally rough on gyms. Many smaller gyms have had to shut down. They reopened, but then Delta have had people skipping the trips again. Where are we now with gyms? Samantha Lusk, owner-operator of Strange Strength and Conditioning, North Hollywood. Samantha, how have you been weathering the uh, COVID storm as of late? Well, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster for sure because, you know, as you just said, we were closed down for about three months um, when the whole city was locked down. Then we were open inside for about two weeks, and then we were sent outside for about a year. And then as things kind of started to get better, people are getting vaccinated. Business definitely picked up. Um, and we are still indoors, thank God. But obviously, the new Delta variant has made it a little bit more challenging in the last few weeks, for sure. Now, of course, a lot of people in the past year uh, not being able to go to gyms found other ways of exercising outside in their own uh, homes or apartments. Are you concerned that a number of those people may decide to keep that as a permanent arrangement? I think it's a combination of things. I think there's a, the good part about it is people realized how important physical fitness is. Um, and I think a lot of people that did work out at home enjoyed it, but also were very relieved when the gyms opened back up because obviously it's really hard to motivate yourself when you're alone in your garage versus being at a gym with people and a coach. And, you know, it's also hard to come up with your own workouts. And that's why gyms like mine exist because people can kind of walk in and not have to think about it. I do think a small percentage of people will still kind of stay home and do their own thing. And we've definitely seen that, but by and large, I think people were really excited to get back, you know, face to face. Do you think the Peloton crowd has been a problem for you guys? I mean, because there's some people that look, they don't miss the, the routine. I go, OK, I got to get up early and breakfast and then get the shake ready and then go to you guys and then shower and get to work. And, oh, I can just ride the bike on my balcony or in my uh, office. Right. Oh, my gosh. The Peloton. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, people, people love it. I think that because my gym is a little bit different than like your average gym, we're a little bit more intense, functional fitness, a lot of barbell work, gymnastics, like kind of high skill. Uh, we don't always attract the Peloton crowd. So although I'm sure some of my members have them, it certainly doesn't replicate the intensity of the workouts that we offer here. I detect you are not a fan of Peloton. You are correct. I am not. I I mean, I think that it was kind of a brilliant idea. And obviously, you know, they have thrived during the pandemic. But I just think there's more to life than than a spin bike. What do you think is going to make people feel safer if they're still wary of the like, okay, uh, I'm going inside. Everybody's breathing really hard. It's tightly packed. Is it is it more ventilation? Is it purifiers? Is it just time for, for case numbers to go down? Uh, Well, it's definitely a combination. So we're really lucky. We're in North Hollywood, but we're kind of close to the Burbank Airport, and we have a big space. We have a big kind of hangar. So we have huge bay doors on either end and a very open floor plan with 20-foot ceilings, and we have like a big, huge fan. So like you said, we have a lot of ventilation, and because we are large, we're 6,000 square feet, we kind of have taped off like 12 by 10 squares on the floor. So when you're here, you kind of go into your area 
and you're separate, you know, enough from the other athletes that it doesn't feel like people are so close to you. So we do that. We do temperature checks. People are masked. And then we also, we sanitize, we have the members sanitize all the equipment after they use it. And as a result, we really have had, we've had no issue with any sort of like case spreading throughout the gym. We've had some isolated cases, but nothing that affected the membership as a whole. Samantha Lusk, owner-operator, strange strength and conditioning there in North Hollywood. Samantha, thanks. You're not supposed to get a vaccine booster shot right now. First, they're not approved. Second, no one is technically allowed to give you a third shot, even if you ask for it. But these things have not stopped it from happening. ABC News says the CDC estimates more than one million people who have received the Moderna or Pfizer vaccine have gone back for an unauthorized third booster shot. Florida is among the states reporting the highest number of people opting for a booster shot, followed by Ohio, California, Illinois, and Tennessee. And this could be an undercount because it doesn't include those who got the one-shot Johnson & Johnson vaccine and then went back to get another. It's unclear if people who got the booster did so because a doctor said it was okay. This is an Odyssey original. Find us and others on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. 